Hello, every... How do I normally start this? Welcome to the 39th episode of Left of Skeptic. My name is Brittany Lind. And I am Kayla Moria. And we are a paranormal podcast. Yes, we are. And also, possibly, a 90s rap music. No, no, I I got no rhythm. (laughs) I mean, I've got rhythm. I play the tuba. I've got rhythm, just not that kind of rhythm. I would not be a good hip-hop artist. No, neither would I. I mess up on my regular words. I can't talk faster and then like make things up as I go along see how much I'm struggling right now just to (laughs) figure out what I'm saying I can talk really fast and make up things as I go along but it's not gonna make any sense (laughs) and it's definitely not gonna rhyme no yeah I'm not good at that I have little little beautiful spurts of cleverness and then they go away and then I just stumble over my words like I am tonight Hi. <laughs> Hi, how are you doing? Sleepy. <laughs> Sleepy. <laughs> this was a very, very busy weekend for me. I never do anything. I maybe go out like one night a week, and instead, I went out two nights this weekend. Mm. I had my whiskey club on Friday, so we, uh, we celebrated some local female music with the Dessa whiskey. And uh, and then Saturday, I mean, you know all about it because you were there with me. Hell yeah. That was yeah. fun. That was fun. We stayed out really late. Well, really late for us. We really didn't stay out that late. No, that's true. I think maybe midnight. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were at or your 1130. apartment by midnight at the yeah. latest. You know what? I usually go to bed around nine. So <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was long. Uh, but you actually got to see my cat. Yeah. Not many people do. She's a little weirdo. We were responsible. We went. We parked our cars mm-hmm. and then decided that that's where our cars were going to be for the night. And we went back to your apartment to hang out. We got back in the apartment, both promptly opened another beer, and both fell asleep before we drank them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely opened a beer, had maybe two sips, and then went, I don't need any more of this. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Said the goodnights and went to bed. It was great, though. I woke up feeling fine. Same. Other than very tired. Because I really woke up at like 5 o'clock in the morning and then was just awake. But I can deal with being tired as long as I'm not self-induced sick. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's miraculous that I wasn't any sort of hungover because I don't usually drink like copious amounts of beer at a time. Let's be clear. It wasn't really copious either. We each had three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, God. I I love that. Like, We're old. <laughs> it feels so extreme now, but like back in the day, man, that would have been like the start of my night. I know. I know. Used to stay out until past bar close at 2 a.m. Uh, Wandering the streets being like, where's the after party? Not anymore. Yep. yep. Drinking just Jameson. Jameson and after Jameson. And we would have pre-gamed before we went out, too. What For were sure. we? Who were we? Who I'd, are we now? What is life? Strangers. Strangers that I, I don't remember. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I'm okay with the old lady life. You know? Me too. I'm still sleepy all the time. So, yeah. How about um, you? I am excellent. Things are good. And I wanted to take a chance, though, because we announced something on our Instagram today. So I wanted to make sure that everybody knows to go check it out. We are going to be at DeluCon this year. DeluCon. It is the second year of the DeluCon, which is Duluth's convention. It's just local nerdery all around. We're very excited to be a part of it. We're going to be hanging out at our booth on Saturday and Sunday. 
mm-hmm. not Friday because we both have to work. Yeah. But Saturday and Sunday, we will be there waiting for you to come up and talk to us. For us to, like, talk about paranormal experiences, talk about general TV shows you like, talk about action figures, anything nerdy you want to talk about, one of us is almost guaranteed to be into it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're excited to get a chance to meet some people and host our very first panel. I'm so excited. You, you know what's you know what's weird? What? Through my radio job, I might have said this on the podcast before, but if you don't know, I work on the radio and sometimes I host things. And I've literally spoken to an 18,000 person crowd at Bayfront. Just said all the things, introduced some like nationally famous bands and uh why is it that the panel is so scary sounding? <laughs> it's really not scary. But it sounds scary because you're not used to it. You may have spoken to a giant crowd of people before, but you've also <laughs> been in that crowd. So yeah. you know what to expect from the person up on stage. So you know what to expect when you are the person up on stage. You've never been to a convention panel before. That's true. Also, when you're on stage in front of that many people, they're really not paying attention to you. But if there's, like, just one person in the audience, they're going to be like, I'm here to watch you. Yeah, but think of it like Feminfest. That's true. You've been a part of those before, and everybody's paying attention, but also they're really interested. They're there to listen to you, and it's just like the listeners we've got on the podcast right now. We're not going to get, like, jeered at? We're not going to get jeered at. No one jeer at me. You know, if we do get jeered at? Uh Uh-huh. It's because I said that? Like that Instagram hater, you know? Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Just laugh it off. Be like, yeah, we know. Thanks, bud. We are nerds. We are fucking nerds. Thank you. Confused as to why you think that's an insult. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we are still in Urban Legends October. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that I took the cue from you for Urban Legend for this week because I got way better story than I was originally planning. Heck yeah! Because guess where we're going this week? Japan! Hell yeah. Hell yes! Oh, I'm so excited! Yes! (laughs) But before I get too excited and, you know, have a fit here, we should probably hear from our sponsors. Let's do it. I love spooky season. You love spooky season. I do love spooky season. And although we celebrate spooky season all October long, it all culminates around one weekend. That's right, Halloween weekend. And what better way to celebrate than a kick-ass party? That's right. So on October 30th, head on over to the Earthrider Festival Grounds for the Earthrider Brewery Halloween Bash. Dress in your favorite costumes, Mm. dance to some amazing music provided by Big Wave Dave and the Ripples and the Lateleys, two of Twin Ports' best bands. The KMB Grilled Cheese Food Truck will be on hand serving up a tasty grilled cheese sandwiches. And as always, there will be Earthrider beer brewed with Lake Superior water and perfect ingredients. Tickets are $10 and can be purchased ahead online or at the door. For more information and to purchase your tickets, click the events tab at earthrider.beer. And we're back. Yes. So are you ready to hear what I chose? Yes, I am. Okay. So Urban Legends October. Mm Mm-hmm. I had a different story planned, which was also great, but I'm not going to tell it this time because you said you were going to Japan. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Japan, too, because I love it when we have an on-theme episode. Makes me happy. also really love Japanese urban legends. They're amazing. They're amazing. So before I tell you my urban legend, I'm going to set the mood with a little creative writing. I love it. I love creative writing. Jamie shivered and pulled her coat tighter against her as she was walking through the park on her way home from work. 
The lamps that illuminate the pathway give off a soft yellow glow in some spaces, but their long distance away from each other means there's a lot of dark spots and shadows cast from all the trees, giving the walkway an eerie, unsettling appearance. Not loving the creepy ambiance, she picks up her pace, her head darting every time she hears the wind go through the branches or a squirrel rustle around in a nearby bush. Normally, she took the well-lit sidewalks, but it had been a long day. Being stuck at the restaurant an extra two hours was not the way she wanted to start her evening, getting out of work at midnight rather than her usual 10 o'clock end time. Oof. And she had to be back at work tomorrow morning. Cutting through the dark park saved her about five blocks of walking and ended up going through the alley, which led to the entrance of her apartment. She had a hot shower and a new episode of Grey's Anatomy waiting for her at home, just calling her name. Like yeah. Another rustling sound came from behind her, and she stopped, turned her head to find the source of the noise, but there was nothing. No one. Calm your shit, girl. You're fine, she said out loud to herself, before going to continue on her way home, exiting out of the park, crossing the street, and into the line of alleyways that led to her apartment's fire escape entrance. About halfway down the second block, she saw the figure of a woman up ahead, standing in the middle of the alley. Her long, dark hair hid most of her face, but Jamie could see that she was wearing a standard blue surgical mask over her face. Not wanting to be discourteous, and because it's COVID season, Jamie put her own mask on as she got closer to the woman. She finds it a bit strange that the woman continues to just stand there, unmoving, as Jamie gets closer enough to walk past her, when only a few feet away, the woman's head pops up suddenly, and she stares yeah. Jamie in the face, stepping quickly in her path and asking a really strange question. Am I pretty? <gasps> what the fuck? Jamie thought, startled. She can see into the woman's eyes. They look a little crazed. Her mask over her face is dirty and obviously old. I hate working late and having to walk home alone when all the weirdos are out, she thought. You're fine, girl. Just, just humor her and keep moving. You're almost home. Yeah, yeah, sure, Jamie says, moving to step around the woman. The woman makes a strange, almost gargled noise and steps in time with Jamie, staying in her way, as her hands move to take away the disposable mask that hides her mouth. What Jamie sees makes her want to scream, vomit, and pass out all at the same time. But she does none of these things. She's frozen in fear. The woman's face is horribly disfigured. Angry, bloody slices come from both sides of the woman's mouth. Blood streams down from her cheeks all the way up to her ears where the cuts end. All of the teeth are visible in the woman's jaw. Oh. It looks like a grotesque grin. Even now, the woman says. Mm. The paralyzing fear is broken with those two words, and Jamie screams. She screams at the top of her lungs as she turns to run down the direction she came from, hoping that if she can just get to that street, someone may be passing by who can help her. Jamie only makes it a few yards before she's shoved to the ground from behind. As she scrambles to turn around and pick herself back up, she is greeted by the sight of the strange woman and that terrible grin standing above her. Ugh. The blades of a pair of scissors that Jamie had not seen before glints in the woman's hand. She manages to let out one final scream as the woman smiles down before slicing two large gashes in each one of her cheeks. And scene. You wrote that? I wrote that. Damn, That's That's girl. <laughs> also, as if, as if her night wasn't bad enough knowing she was going to have to go home and then do a clopin. Mm -hmm. Then she gets attacked and her face slashed open. Slicey. Slicey. Slicey and dicey. Ugh. So this is a Kayla version of the story of the Kuchisaki Ona, or Slit-Mouthed Woman. I love it. Kuchisaki Ona is a malevolent figure in Japanese urban legends and folklore. Because it's Japanese, and because I am the whitest American woman ever, I would love to uh, just... Remind people that my pronunciation may be off. I did look this up a bunch, and I'm going to try my best. Yep. Kuchisaki Ona is commonly known as the ghost of a woman who was mutilated and has come back to seek vengeance. Her name comes from the deep, bloody gashes that run across her face, hence the slit-mouthed woman. Mm -hmm. From each corner of her mouth to each ear, 
She appears at night to lone travelers on dark roads, covering her mouth with a mask, a fan, a handkerchief, sometimes her hair, anything to obscure it from the traveler's view. According to legend, this ghost was a woman whose mouth was slit ear from ear when she was still alive, and that's how she appears now. In some versions of this story, she was an unfaithful wife or mistress of a samurai. In a jealous rage and as a punishment for her infidelity, her husband sliced the corners of her mouth from ear to ear. Other cool versions that. of the tale include that her mouth was mutilated during a medical procedure. Oh. Some say that she was a sex worker who was mutilated by a client. An all too real story. Some say she was mutilated by another woman who was jealous of her beauty. Okay. And in some versions, it's just a normal jawline. In other versions, her mouth is filled with numerous sharp teeth. Kind of like the character from Mortal Kombat, whose name I am spacing on right now. But Melina. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay, I have to ask. I have to ask. Did you Google that, or did you happen to know that? I Googled it. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I like, didn't yes, play video got, games as a child. You got a pop culture reference I didn't get. But yes, Melina. She's one of my favorite characters to play. She's great, especially did in you, Mortal Kombat 10. Did you know that her origin is the Shang Sun's flesh pits? Yes, I did. That I did know. I don't know <laughs> what that means. So, <laughs> Okay, so... Kuchisaki Ona sneaks up on her victims in the dark and asks them if they think she is beautiful. If the victim answers yes, she pulls off her mask and reveals a red, blood-dripping, grotesque mouth. Ooh. She will then ask in a grisly voice, even now? If her victim answers no or screams in terror, she slashes them from ear to ear in an imitation of her own mutilation. All right. If they say yes a second time, she lets them go. Though in some versions of the story, even after she lets them go, she then follows them home and still kills them. You know, that is the way it goes with these Japanese urban legends. You think you figure out the key, and then they're like, ah, I'm going to kill you anyway. Supposedly, there are several ways you can avoid this grisly death. Okay. You can survive an encounter with her by using one of several methods, potentially. I guess it's up okay. to you if you want to try it. In some versions of the legend, she will leave a potential victim alone if they answer yes to both of her questions. But in others, like I said, she'll visit them later. Another mm -hmm. way you can avoid this tragic fate is to answer her questions with other questions, never oh. giving her a direct answer of yes or no. Other survival tactics include replying to her question by describing the appearance as average. <laughs> It gives you enough time to run away, distracting distracting her with, like, okay, what do I do with that, I guess? Like, yeah, you're... Yeah, you're, you're okay. You're a solid seven. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, and then some of the lesser known but still there theories are you can distract her by throwing money or hard candies at her. Hard candies? <laughs> okay. Um. And the last one, which I think is the funniest is you can distract her by saying the word pomade three times. Pomade. Like hair pomade. Like, I was going to say with the, like what you put in your hair. Like you're a Dapper Dan man. Hair pomade. Pomade, pomade. pomade. <laughs> Do they have to be like in really close succession or just like pomade? They didn't specify. They just said uh, pomade. Uh, he said pomade. <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Author and folklorist Matthew Meyer has described the Kuchisaki Ona legend as having roots dating back to Japanese Edo period, which spanned from the 17th to the 19th centuries. Oh, wow. In official publishing, the legend of Kuchisaki Ona dates back to at least 1979. Okay. The spirits of the dead who were killed in violent manners, abused wives, killed sex workers, tortured captives, defeated enemies, often do not rest well and are the basis for a lot of Japanese folklore. Kuchisaki Ona is thought to be one such woman. However, during the Edo period, a large number of Kuchisaki Ona attacks were blamed on shape-changing kitsune people playing pranks on young men. I'll get to that in a second, a little bit deeper. Okay. Um, and then also during the 20th century, 
the blame began to be placed on like ghosts, serial killers, mass hysteria, you name it. It all was a different explanation for this same story. Hmm. But the Kuchisaki Ona is more than just a ghost, which is why she's not tied to one particular area. She moves around. She is defined as a yokai. Okay. And all I'm saying is Inuyasha. Did you watch Inuyasha? Of course I watched Inuyasha. We've had this conversation. Okay, I'm just making sure. I cannot. I could not remember because I know a few people that have watched Inuyasha too, and I get very excited. But this is the first word that I knew as soon as I was doing the research, and it made me even more excited to do this Are research. They the demons? Yokai. Demons. Yokai. Yeah. Ha! See? Look at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, Inuyasha. You taught me Sit something boy. other than how to love. No I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> Anime and manga fans for the wor- for the win. I mean, I really only watched Unayasha and Sailor Moon, so I watched so much more than that. But I know. Moving I know on. I know you have. <laughs> uh, but yokai is not simply the Japanese word for demon, as a lot of anime shows would lead you to believe, mm-hmm. and a lot of other pop culture references do. They are actually the embodiment of a moment, a feeling of dread and bewilderment or awe, or wonder over like an extraordinary event, um, a reaction to a strange sound or a peculiar scent that demands an explanation. It is an ineffable phenomenon explained by only by a supernatural entity. You know, that was really beautiful. The embodiment of a moment. Until you said a moment of fear or dread, and I was like, oh. <laughs> The figures, like the Japanese characters for yokai, Mm -hmm. if taken individually, can technically mean strange or alluring mystery. Again, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yokai had existed in Japanese folklore for centuries, but it was during the Edo period that they began to be widely seen in artwork. Okay. Coincidentally, well, not coincidentally, obviously, if this is the way it works... Their rise to the forefront of artistic culture began when printing presses and publishing became more popular. They were able to mass produce these things, making them more available to a wider audience. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. One of the oldest examples of yokai art was a 16th century scroll that portrayed a pandemonium of Japanese monsters. And this formed the basis for Japan's first definitive encyclopedia of yokai characters, through the work of an 18th century printmaker, Toriyama Sinken. During the newly developed technologies of woodblock printing specifically, Mm -hmm. they were able to mass produce yokai illustrations in catalogs of a monster parade. It's really cool to look at. That does sound cool. And those yokai illustrations are the basis for many of the anime and manga that produce monsters now. I bet Giles had that book. Probably. How many yokai are there? The series was literally translated to Night Parade of a Hundred Spirits, although in this context, 100 just means many in Japanese. Mm -hmm. And so these three texts illustrate more than 200 of these different Japanese demons, each with their own brief description and commentary. Some of the stories say that Kuchisaki Ona might be a kitsune, which is one of the creatures described in this encyclopedia. Okay. Kitsune are Japanese fox demons. So they're cunning, intelligent, and mischievous, and they're shapeshifters. Like so they're saying, That's what I was getting at. Shippo! <laughs> Shippo <laughs> is a kitsune. I had that noted on here. I, I When you said that, I was like, I know, I know what that is. What is that? <laughs> So, kitsune are shape-shifting yokai similar in appearance to wild foxes when in their natural state, and they could either technically act as messengers from the gods or Mm -hmm. just general wood-dwelling, mischievous, pranking creatures that are said to be portraying women that trick these young men with this particular Kuchisaki Ona. But traditionally, kitsune are more just kind of pranksters and not as malevolent as Kichisaki Ona is. So it does right. leave a little gap in that story from what everything I was reading. 
Yeah, slicing someone's face open is a little bit more than a prank. Very true. So this classification might be a bit off, but Kitsune are still demons, and what they find funny might be very different than what we find funny. It seems from my research that a much better definition to classify Kitsuki Ona in might be a onryo. An onryo is a mythological spirit from Japanese folklore who return from the other world, commonly known as hell in the United States, seeking vengeance. They are mainly represented by women, although mm-hmm. there are a few male onryo that can be found. Seemingly, they were peaceful and inoffensive in life and then are the victims of a love betrayal put on by either the other half of their love story or somebody who has interfered in their love story. And then after the tragedy, they become strong and dangerous when they return back to Earth. Yeah. Whether you think they might be an Oreo, a Kitsune, some kind of yokai in general, it is definitely an urban legend, and it spiked a lot in the 20th century. The Kichisoki Ona must be the first purely Japanese urban legend, says Akira Yoshiyuki, a university associate professor who researches oral literature. Mm-hmm. Akira offers one theory of origin for this legend. Around the end of 1978, there was a rumor that circulated that an old woman in a farming family town spotted a woman in the now notorious slit mouth vision mm-hmm. standing on the corner of her garden. A local newspaper printed an article about the story from the old woman, and the legend continued to spread from there into neighboring towns until it reached the kind of mass hysteria level that we see a lot of urban legends grow now. Friend of a friend. Friend of a friend. Akura said there were all of these different variations, like they might say that she wore a mask or a red coat or that she carried a sickle, or they'd say that she could run 100 meters in six seconds or that Damn. she hated hair pomade. Or that if you gave her hard candy, you could get away. Six months after this initial story, the rumor had spread nationwide. Quote, this was a time when the number of children going to cram schools was increasing. Before, it was rare for rumors to cross over into another school district. But cram schools brought children from different areas together. And so they took the stories they heard about other schools to share at their own, and they passed them further to relatives and other contracts by telephone and so on. Other newspapers and television stations picked up on the story, end quote. When the Kuchisaki Ona legend spread in the late 1970s, the Japanese economy was changing because households across the country got basic elements of what we now consider urban cultural life. Televisions, cars, Mm -hmm. telephones. They weren't super common in just your everyday household before that. Right. So the ability for that information to spread was just much easier. Yep. And at that point, they still didn't have a word for it because the term urban legend didn't come to Japan until 1988, when a Japanese translation of American folklorist Jan Harold Brunswald's 1981 book, The Vanishing Hitchhiker, became available. Full circle. Full did you circle. even know that it was going to be so full circle? I did not. The up-and-coming Japanese researchers who conducted the translation said that they wanted to overturn the idea in the academic world that oral literature meant only old tales and legends. They wanted it to be more current, and they wanted to open up the possibility of investigating gossip and rumors in a contemporary setting and spreading them around that way. Akura is not a fan of the popularity of urban legends. He thinks that this is an excuse for people to target, say, illegal immigrants, uh, China or South Korea or other parts of Japan. Quote, the unease we project onto the Kuchisaki Ona or ghosts is based on the idea that real people wouldn't do these things, but it's used as an excuse to spread it around. Like so many different stories that we've seen in popular culture. He says, I feel that on a global scale, we're gradually losing the ground where urban legends can arise. There's a growing sense of helplessness and amid vague sense of unease, perhaps it's the desire to cling to what is real. End quote. So basically, he's saying that people are using these folklore stories to turn them into false information and news and use them against people that they don't like. 
which I could see. Yep, I could definitely see it. It's it's kind of like why I didn't tell that one story a while back is that it was a sort of urban legend, but mm-hmm. really it was just hateful and ableist. Exactly. So, Kichisoki Ona, that was where my story ended. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, so. Hope I never see her in a dark alley. I know, right? And now I don't want to take dark alleys home. I want to slice up my face. I usually just avoid dark alleys. (laughs) As a general person, I walked through so many alleys, but uh, that was probably not my smartest move when I was younger. No, No, I always knew alleys. It's part of living in Central Hillside, man. You just take the alley. Mm -mm. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't nothing good happening in an alley. (laughs) (laughs) So. I hope that I did this justice. It was a lot to kind of navigate. No, you did a really good job. So, on a skeptic scale of para to normal, para being five, normal being one, what are you going to give the Kuchisaki Ona? I'm going to give the Kuchisaki Ona a two. Okay. I don't think it's real. I would have given it a one. You know what? No, I'm giving it a three. Because I don't think it's real. I'm giving it a one, but it's a really good story. So it gets <laughs> extra points. I also am going to give it a three for the exact same reason. I think a lot yeah. of the urban legends are going to result in this, where they're really good stories, but kind of totally not believable. Yeah. No, not really. <laughs> the imagery for, like, the artwork for this is really cool. And I can't wait to try to figure out which one I'm going to share on social media. <laughs> I might just group a bunch of, gather, of them together and throw them on our social media anyway, because they are cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of really cool artwork for mine as well, um, which I am excited to tell you about after our commercial break. Oh, that one cracked weird. Attention all Duluthians, Superiorites, and Northlanders all around. Earthrider is putting out a call for all local artists to participate in their North Country Holiday Market Poster Contest. The Earthrider Brewery North Country Holiday Market is a time to celebrate the holiday season and support small local businesses while enjoying some great music and fantastic beer. They are looking for art that will evoke the holiday spirit and highlight Earthrider beer. Art must be submitted via email to hello at earthrider.com by the 29th of October, so time is running out, and their winner will be announced on November 1st. This contest is open to all skill levels, and they are very excited to see what you design. And what is a contest without a prize? Show off your skills, and you have a chance to win free Earthrider beer for a whole freaking year. What? For more information on how to enter and the guidelines, check out Earthrider Beer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And we are back. Yeah. And I am excited to hear about your legend that I know the name of, but know nothing else. I cannot believe that you've never heard of this one before. All right. Well, for those who don't know what I'm doing... And I can't <laughs> uh, get ready for the story of Teke Teke. <laughs> so Teke Teke is a Japanese urban legend about a Anyo. Is that what you said? Anyo? Uh, it's a vengeful spirit. Oh, is it O-N-R-Y-O with the line above it? Yeah. I might have been pronouncing it wrong. I looked it up and it made it sound like it was going to be on Rio, but okay. I could I could be have been pronouncing it wrong. So you pronounce it that way, and then one of us will be pronouncing it right in one half. Hopefully, or we're both wrong. <laughs> or one we're of both those. wrong. Yeah, that's what happens when you have some Minnesota girls talking Japanese. <laughs> All right, so Teke Teke is a Japanese urban legend about an Anyo or a vengeful spirit of a girl whose body was cut in half by a train. She lurks around urban areas and around train stations at night, dragging her upper half by her hands or elbows. Ooh. 
She gets her name from the sound that her spine makes as she drags herself across the ground. Teke teke. <gasps> so, some people also say that it's her fingernails, but I saw more often that it was like her spine hitting the ground as she goes. Teke 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 teke. Fucking brutal. Fucking brutal. And while there are a few origin stories of how Teke Teke came to be, as well as what her weapon of choice is, her purpose throughout all of them remains the same. If she finds you alone, in the dark, you will share her fate and be sliced in half. And again, although there are many different origin stories for Teke Teke, most of them begin with a young woman named Kashima Reiko. In some of the stories, Kashima was brutally assaulted in a cornfield by a group of men, and in her attempt to get help, she drug herself to a nearby train track, where she could not continue on anymore and she passed out, eventually resulting in her getting sliced in half when a train came. Oof. 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 Ouch. The next little bit has the tiniest mention of a couple of upsetting things. If you have any little trigger warnings, just skip ahead 15 seconds. Okay. In another version during World War II, Kashima is raped by a soldier and left injured on the tracks. Or, after the attack, tried to commit suicide via train. But either way, she was run over by the train and split in two. Because of the cold night air, the blood vessels in her torso contracted, preventing her from bleeding out quickly. She tried to pull herself along the ground to get help, and she was spotted by a railway attendant. She cried out for them to help her, but instead of assisting Kashima, they either one, ran away in terror, or two, covered her face with a plastic bag, causing Kashima to slowly asphyxiate. Oh my god. Either way, she died a long, drawn-out, terrible death. Whew. According to this version, three days after hearing what happened to Kashima, you will see the ghost of a woman with no legs, and she will kill you. Sorry. Oh my god. Another legend of Teke Teke says that in life, she was a uh, less than popular schoolgirl who notoriously was afraid of everything. And because of this, her classmates liked to torment her with a series of practical jokes and pranks. One day after school, while everyone was waiting for the train at the train station, one of her classmates caught a cicada and put it on her shoulder. Because of the loud rumbling of the oncoming train, it took her a while to notice that there was a bug on her shoulder, but when she did, she flailed around, desperately trying to get it off of her. Legit. When she lost her step, tripped onto the tracks, and was cut in half by the train. Do you know what, though? Cicadas, I know they're harmless, but they are creepy looking. Oh, I don't like them. I don't like them. They're mm -hmm. harmless. I know yeah. that. I wouldn't, like, run away from one on a tree. But if it was on me, you can bet your ass I'd be freaking out. And oh, I would sure. probably fall somewhere I don't belong to. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I'm not a graceful human. <laughs> bug or no bug. <laughs> and then there is this other story that isn't really an origin of Teke Teke at all. But for some reason, it was on a bunch of websites and quoted like as the origin story. Mm -hmm. And this version comes from japaninfo.com. The story begins at night when a boy named Satoshi is on his way back home. He had left his cram school and was walking through some empty streets as it was nearing 10 p.m. As he passed through a neighborhood, he saw a beautiful young girl near the top of an abandoned building. She was leaning out of the window with her elbows propped on the windowsill. She looked down at him with contempt and jealousy hiding behind her eyes. Suddenly, the girl jumped out of the window. Shocked, Satoshi could do nothing but watch her fall. When the girl landed, Satoshi realized something horrible. The girl only had half of a body. Her torso had been split in half and her legs were nowhere to be found. Unbeknown to him, the vengeful spirit belonged to a girl who had accidentally fallen on some train tracks seconds before a train passed by, cutting her in half. That's, uh, that's, oh, oh. The girl started dragging herself towards him with a scythe in one hand. As she skittered towards him on her elbows and claw-like hands, a teke-teke sound echoed around him. 
Before he could move, she pushed off her elbows, swinging her scythe at his midsection. Satoshi felt the scythe tear through him and then soon nothing. As he lay on the ground, blackness closing in around him, he saw her hate-filled face hovering over his. A look of triumph crossed it. And that would be the last thing that he would ever see. So in that story, like it mentions that she gets cut in half by a train, but in this thing that's quoted as like the origin story, it's mostly about this this little kid, dude, this little dude who comes across a girl in this manner. So I'm not really sure why that's quoted as the origin story, but uh I think it's probably quoted as an origin story because it's one of the I imagine it's one of the first stories of her appearance as a vengeful spirit or an um, unreal. Yeah. Because yeah, the origin stories are terrible and horrifying, but they're horrifying in a real life way. That's a really horrifying story of what happens with her spirit. So yeah. that's probably why they're quoted as as that. So in this story, her weapon of choice is a scythe, uh, which is the most common one. Uh, but in some stories, it says that she kills her victims with her knife-like fingernails or claws, while others tell her of simply just ripping you in half. Oh. Sometimes you just die because, you know, you've been ripped in half. Uh, while other legends claim that if a teke teke kills you, you become a teke teke as well. And while most of the stories seem to be cautionary tales designed to discourage people, particularly young children and teenagers, from walking home alone at night in the dark, sometimes teke teke haunts bathrooms. Okay, okay. that's weird. Yeah, I'm not really sure why. Uh, but I've noticed that bathrooms are kind of a hot spot for Japanese ghosts. Other such bathroom ghosts include, uh, oh my gosh, again, Midwest girl. I'm going to butcher these. I'm sorry. Include Akamanto, Akamanto, or the Red Cape, or Hanako-san. Uh, but Teke Teke will also sometimes find you in the bathroom, which wouldn't be a super bad hunting ground, I guess, if you're like a vengeful spirit, because like everyone has to go to the bathroom mm -hmm. you are likely to have like a guaranteed audience or group of victims i think that uh the bathroom is also kind of scary when you think about public bathrooms oh yes because there's a lot of hiding spots oh see i went straight for germs but okay <laughs> yeah you're right <laughs> i hate going into like a rest area bathroom if nobody right. else is in there if no. there's another stranger in there i'm fine but when i'm by myself i find it way more terrifying way more terrifying for sure <sighs> so if she does find you in a bathroom what she will do is she will brandish her scythe and say where are my legs and if you answer incorrectly she cuts you in half but if you answer on the mission line she might let you live or she'll kill you anyways because that's how these urban legends go even if you do the right thing sometimes they kill you anyway you know vengeful spirit and all <laughs> so why teke teke as i said some of the stories seem to be designed to discourage people from venturing out alone after dark while others are cautionary tales about being nice to other people you bully someone you harm them they might come back and cut you in half. So we do not condone bullying. No. But if you are bullied, please don't cut people in half. Yeah. We at Left of Skeptic are also against cutting people in half. This is the second time you've picked a bullied urban legend. I wonder what that says about me. Was I bullied? No, I, I don't know. I was, but. I wasn't really. I'm not cutting anybody in half. That we you don't know condone of. that. We don't condone that, Kayla. <laughs> Either way, like most Japanese urban legends, it's really more about the message than it is the monster. And then I have a bonus story for you. I'm ready. A creepy pasta about Teke Teke. Fuck yeah. I love creepy pastas. Let's I do know it. you do. I know you do. That's why I picked it. Also, they kind of talk about yours, but not in like a great way. So uh, from creepypasta.com by Molly Kitty Cat, this is called How I Became a Japanese Urban Legend. Hmm. All right. How I Became a Japanese Urban Legend. 
This is the sound of what is probably the creepiest Japanese urban myths. Teke Teke is her name. It's so typical that the Japanese would give the scariest of horror story creatures such a misleadingly stupid sounding name. <laughs> I would understand the horror of a creature as well as anyone on account of the fact that I ran into her. Like a typical American skeptic, I didn't take to the Japanese folklore with much heed. After all, every story seems to have the same moral. Don't go out after dark alone. Therefore, it was only natural to believe that these stories were only a system of keeping kids from wandering off. When one story was proven wrong or ignored, another and more exotic story was made up to keep children enveloped in Hans' wedding fear of wandering off. The stories range from that of the slip-mouth woman to the impossibility of the 50-story skeleton that would gladly tear your head off and drink the blood from your system like you were a juice box. I've never heard of the 50-story skeleton. I now need to look that up. But there are always holes in the story, such as how in the world a 50-story skeleton hasn't been spotted by more than one person at a time, <laughs> or even how something that massive could even sneak up on anyone to begin with. And even the story with a slip-mouthed woman has its own problems. The story supposedly features a beautiful Japanese woman who angered her husband, who in turn sliced her mouth in his rage. Now she goes around with a scarf over her mouth, asking people if she is beautiful or not. If you say no, she takes a giant pair of shears to you. If you say yes, she takes off her scarf and asks the same question again. At that point, you're pretty much screwed no matter what you say, unless you tell her she's just so-so. And then make a run for it while she's contemplating what to do with that statement. However, it's never mentioned what happens if you see the giant pair of scissors behind her back and just make a run for it before she asks you anything. Or if you happen to be armed and just shoot the girl in the head at point-blank range the moment she takes off her scarf. The story of Teke Teke is similar in ways of plot holes. <laughs> the story is about a girl who jumps slash falls onto the subway and gets split in half. How she doesn't get pulverized completely is anyone's guess. But afterward, her spirit gets royally ticked off of the world and chases down any poor sap she sees and cuts them in half. Her name is based upon the sound she makes as she runs at you with her long nailed hands clacking against the ground rapidly. Even if dead spirits were able to interact with the real world, my question is why Teke is so angry? I've seen plenty of people who have lost their legs in reality shows or whatever, and they seem pretty happy. And her tripping and falling into a railway wasn't anyone's fault but her own. Therefore, that myth seems to contradict a rational human mindset. At least that's what I thought, until I saw her torso sitting on a wall late one Friday evening. In classic horror story fashion, it was incredibly dark, and I was walking home alone. Like I mentioned earlier, I did not take much of the folklore seriously. I actually thought it was a full-size girl for the longest time. What a weird sentence. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, I just, I thought it was a full-size girl. I thought it was a full-size girl. Yeah, I just whatever. assumed. Whatever. Apparently I was wrong. If I had known that she was the ultimate concentration of horrific mutilated nightmare fuel, I probably wouldn't have approached her so carelessly to ask if she was all right. However, my good intentions chained into a furious rush of terror when she jerked violently at the sound of my voice and hopped off of the wall. Before she even hit the ground, I clearly saw that most of the bottom portion of her was missing. She scurried towards me like an angered spider, making indistinguishable groaning and shrieking sounds as she raced towards me. That is not funny. Um, it's actually quite terrifying. I don't That's, know why I'm laughing. I, no, I'm just imagining I'm just it nervous. <laughs> I know. You want to, oh, wait, are you ready for this? Yeah. I think I figured out how I can duplicate that noise. I'm going to move my microphone because I got the long and pointies back. Yeah. Okay, you're doing that from now on. Okay. So I'll <laughs> point to you when I need you to make the sound. Okay. You got it. So, yeah, she was she was groaning and shrieking and racing at her. That's when I took off like a scared puppy. I mean, who wouldn't? Facts. All right. Now, I'm a pretty fast runner. The undeniable fact that has been mentioned to me several times by my peers ever since middle school. And I would have stopped running after the first few minutes if I had managed to leave whatever was chasing me behind. But the noise did not subside. In fact, as I ran, it grew steadily louder. 
The possibility of this being an insanely well-configured prank had crossed my mind several times. Hadn't I asked for this elaborate joke the moment I bragged to all of my friends that ghost stories didn't scare me and that I didn't believe in ghosts? However, Same girl. The- <laughs> However, the way that this creature moved and how fast it went and how impossible it was to pull something off like this without Hollywood effects or circus creatures, I really had little to believe except for the fact that Teke Teke was an all-too-true story. But during my rambling and strangely calm train of thought, I noticed something. I got my feet to finally stop and I listened. The clicking noise had stopped. A gust of wind whirled around the corners of the alley and wrapped around my feet. Suddenly, a bolt of movement shot past the corner of my eye. I turned around at the strange spurt of the horrendous... I haven't even been drinking. (laughs) This is strawberry water. (laughs) I turned around at the strange spurt of the horrendous clicking. However, the moment I focused my ears in to find out where the specter had run to, the clicking stopped. I listened to what was now dead and ominous silence. The type of quiet that would play out in a horror movie right before a corpse fell out of the ceiling with its eyes sliced out of its socket and its mouth hanging open in a ghastly scream. I turned back at the spurt of the sound again. My heart pounded so hard I felt like I was going to go unconscious. I should just get out of here, I thought to myself. That was perhaps a bad idea, on account of the probable inability to watch my own back mindlessly running away. However, my body instantly obeyed and I took off. As I rounded the corner, I was stopped by the short and legless figure of Teke Teke, who stood on her hands no more than a few feet away from me. My heart leapt up, slamming in my throat and expelling a gag. At the sound of my gag, Teke looked me in the eyes. In the light of the street lamp, I actually got a glimpse of her face. In the way of symmetrical features and well-shaped nose, she was actually a very lovely girl. However, (laughs) the sheer panic of the situation made the beauty matter very little to me. (laughs) But the scary thing was, when I gagged, I swear the pupils of her eyes grew until the whites disappeared from her sockets, and she turned and faced me. She raced at me while I attempted to start running again and lurched like a fierce predator towards my lower torso, with both of her hands outstretched. It was unreal how far she was able to jump. I screamed and swatted her as best as I could to the side. I somehow managed to not get cut in half, but her claw made a large gash in my side just above the pelvis. I yelled as the blood began to pour out of my side and in a terrible, unintelligent... (laughs) Unintelligent motion, I flopped down on the ground onto my back as I bled. And by that time, Teke Teke had shaken off my blow and leapt onto my form as I lay on my back. It was at this point that I switched from mildly intelligent survivalist, they really think highly of themselves, uh, to mindlessly panicked child. I shrieked and twisted violently to shake her off. Most of what happened during that time was a blur, a bunch of painful slashing of claws and blood until my face was blinded by red. It was an almost surreal nightmare. It was a surreal nightmare. Every feeling of panic and terror that you'd feel when being attacked by an angry dog was multiplied by the fact that this unhappy and vengeful creature was less than a dog and far more frightening. Ugh. I'm just, I'm just envisioning this, like, I don't like it. I don't like it either, but how they wrote it is really funny. That's true, that's true. <laughs> I must have blacked out, because suddenly I came to my senses in a railway station. Everything was blackened, horrendously dark, but I was able to see my hands and a few faint glows of shattered advertisement signs. I was unable to recall how I got into the railway station in the first place. I could have crawled here in my wounded state, or Teke Teke could have dragged me here. However, my memory at this point was fuzzy and unreliable. I checked behind my back, and my spine crunched as my torso turned a full 180 degrees when I looked behind me. Yeah, that's the face I made when I read it. Like, what the fuck? Okay. Full-on exorcist twist. It didn't hurt, 
But it produced a strange feeling of relief, like popping your back in a violent manner. Oh, I need somebody to crack my back. That's what that's what I have Steve for. <laughs> Every day. I'm going to down about that when we're done. I didn't mean to turn myself all the way around in such a grotesque manner, uh, but it didn't terrify me as much as one would expect. <laughs> When I straighten myself out with another abnormal crunch. (laughs) I examined myself and unintentionally reminded myself of the gash that was laid upon my side by Take Take. Now I was able to view the thing in full potential. It was cut all the way from the front to the back in a clean slice. However, no blood poured from the wound. That was the final revelation that I needed to know why I'd been left alone. I'm dead, I thought to myself, still far too shaken to break the silence of the railway station by verbalizing my thoughts. The horror quieted at that time for the revelation that death wasn't quite as terrible as I thought it would be sunk in slowly. However, I was quickly distracted by the sight of a young woman walking down a more well-lit path far from me not noticing my huge form standing stiffly in the shadows. I was overwhelmed with the feeling that it was my inner purpose to hurt her. I moved towards the girl, my spine moving unnaturally, (laughs) and my torso twisting on and off my pelvis. (laughs) Are you going to be okay? Due to the large gash in my side. (laughs) Okay. Um, I barely kept the upper part of my body holding on. And that's the end. Oh my god. Do, do, do. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I'm just. Every a... heart. Do, 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 do. I'm doing the Inuyasha end theme song because that could have been an episode. It's a little more brutal than most Inuyasha episodes, but I'm rolling with it. Oh, yeah, her, uh, yeah, so they're cut around the middle, barely holding on, can turn around 180, like an owl's head, and, uh, then the top part of their body is kind of just, like, wobbling on top of their hips because it's barely connected. (laughs) Oh, my God. Me, personally, I went to the opening scene of Ghost Ship. When that one girl yeah, tries the to like push, slices. push herself together, yeah, I haven't watched that as part of Brilliant. my Halloween spookiness. I should watch that and Thirteen Ghosts, though I did Brilliant. just watch Thirteen Ghosts in like August. But still, can never I get enough a... of Matthew Lillard. No, wow, wow, wow. All right, on a skeptic scale, five being para, one being normal. What will you give? Teke teke. Also, thank you for the sound effects. You're welcome. I am going to give teke teke. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A five. What? And you know why I'm going to give teke teke a five? Because that last bitch you were just talking about was all like, <laughs> I don't believe in this stuff. And then it happened to her. So you know what? I think I say five. It's never going to happen to me because I believe it. <laughs> okay. Okay. You're just, you're preemptively... Making so it won't happen. This is and then you're like self-preservation, baby. I believe it. It's not now. It won't happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. I'm gonna give it a a three. Of course. Um, I mean, that is logical answer. I know. I'm like the person who says they're Catholic but only goes to church on Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Or the person who just likes keep sitting but then goes to confession on saturdays because then they can still get into heaven i'm giving it a five rating just to save myself i love it i love it i mean that's smart this me giving teke teke a five is the same thing as saying you're christian as an insurance policy in case you need to when you die (laughs) oh like in the mummy uh his little friend that had all of the necklaces with all the different religions and he just prayed in all of them yep Exactly. Making a lot of pop culture references in this episode. I'm loving it. Ugh. Loving it. <laughs> um, I hope you enjoyed my dramatic reading as well. I loved that. I, Thank and I you. very rarely get to see you like lose your shit in laughter over a story. It makes me very happy. 
Was you were talking about the bathroom monster. Monsters. Mm-hmm. Bathroom yukai. Yeah. And I had to look this up because I've done some, like, research into the yukai before because Sean also loves, like, Japanese folklore. We have quite yeah. a few books on it in the house. And I remembered one that was specific to kind of bathrooms that I thought, yeah. re- I remember thinking was really funny. So I had to Google it quick while you, so I would remember to tell you. Have you ever heard of a kappa? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. So it's uh translation is river child. Okay. But it's really common in bathrooms because originally it was really common in like rivers and ponds but then mm-hmm. as things aged it became more common in bathrooms basically anywhere there's a water source and they're like these green kind of humanoids with webbed hands and are supposedly like have kind of like a turtle like shell on their back wow. and they have like a depression in their head that holds water and if <sighs> like the liquid spills out it's weakened but I remember thinking it was really funny because so they attack people in the bathroom and they're mm-hmm. known for like attacking humans and removing an organ that does not exist from their butthole. What? Yeah. That's what I remember. <laughs> uh, I I don't remember that from the bathrooms, but I do remember the the water thing. Now, is that is that Japanese or is that I feel like there's an American thing that also has that there might be. So just pulled up the quick Wikipedia here as water monsters. Kappa have been blamed for drownings and are often said to try to lure people into water and pull them in with their great skill at sumo wrestling. They are sometimes (laughs) said to take their victims for the purpose of drinking their blood, eating their livers or by gaining power by taking their shirikodama. A mythical ball said to contain the soul, which is located inside the anus. And I'm going to pull up this image. And then I'm going to share it with you. <laughs> okay. Of, of the kappa. So bony. That person is so bony. Yeah, but they got to get that shirikodama, which is located in your butthole. What is... Does, does the kappa have... Like, what is that spiky thing? I don't know. I haven't looked that far into it, but man, now I kind of oh, wish man. I would have chosen this. I'm glad you talked about bathroom monsters, like, so you could share with me. So I could about share the that fact with that your you. soul is located in your anus. I didn't know that. Interesting. Uh, um. Also, and then unintentionally linking it to everything else, the Shirikodama has appeared in several other animes, but not in Yuyasha. Anyway. Well, then what is even the point? Right. <laughs> right. If anybody is curious in our listener base, you can watch pretty much all of Inuyasha minus the movies on Hulu. And you should because it's amazing and I love it and I'm rewatching it right now anyway. I, I am going to – I'm going to rewatch it. I'm trying to get through Law & Order SVU. I actually finally got to 2020, like where they're actually dealing with COVID. And I was wondering when that was going to happen. And it happened three episodes ago. So. Awesome. I, I'm all caught up. <laughs> I have watched most of the show for Inuyasha. And I now have a couple of the movies to watch thanks to my amazing, beautiful friend, Sam. Because oh. we found out after becoming friends that we both loved Inuyasha. And so she had a couple of the movies and she's letting me borrow them. Uh, you're gonna have me over to watch those, right? Yeah. Oh, if you can watch Bo Burnham's special with me first. Uh, duh. Uh, duh. All right. We are not doing a listener story because, as we discussed earlier, during Urban Legends series, we're telling a lot of stories. There's no need to include in a listener story. But if you have one you would love to share. Yeah. We'll get to it later and would love to have that story with us. So you can do so by emailing us directly, leftofskeptic at gmail.com, or visiting our website, www.leftofskeptic.com, and clicking the Listener Stories tab. You can choose to include your name or remain anonymous, whichever you prefer. We just ask that you please include your pronouns. And if you would prefer me to read it rather than Kayla so that I can do it in an extremely dramatic fashion, you just note that. (laughs) I just request it. Just request, Just request it. it. You can also find us on social media. We are on 
Twitter and Instagram at Left of Skeptic and Facebook at Left of Skeptic Podcast. Well, this has been a weird night. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> we covered a bunch of stories from a culture that we are not a part of. Hopefully we did it justice. Um, Sorry about the pronunciations. We laughed a lot during parts that did not belong having laughter. <laughs> yeah, they, it was just nervous laughter. It's, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. This, this is really scary and we're laughing about it. That's how I do. And with that, we've got one more episode of our Urban Legends series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you would like a chance to hear the story early, if you meet us at DeLucon this upcoming Saturday at noon, we will be telling these stories at our panel. No jeering, though. No jeering. Thank you. Thank you. Otherwise, we will just see y'all next Spooky Wednesday, and we love you very much. Okay. Okay. Bye. The Left of Skeptic podcast is written and hosted by Kayla Moria and Brittany Lind. This week's episode is edited by me, Brittany Lind. The Left of Skeptic music is by Dave Melling and Emily Havoc. And our artwork is by Al LeBlanc. Okay. Bye. Bye.